Hello, sister. Hello, sister. Welcome to Of Late I Think of Rosewood, a podcast deep dive into the characters, themes, and plot of ABC Family's Pretty Little Liars. My name is Haley. And I'm Morgan. So for this episode, we are going to be doing a deep dive into Aria's character. We decided to format this like a psychological assessment because I am a social worker and I decided that using a biopsychosocial assessment would be a good way to kind of delve into some of the different aspects of these characters. So for this episode, we're going to talk about Aria. I feel like we are led to, like what we're explicitly told is that like she's the empathetic one. And I, uh, do we agree with that? I don't think I do agree with that. Yeah. Because I think she's actually like quite focused on her own self and relationships and how things impact her. And I think the moments that we see her get the most involved in kind of the mystery of everything is when it directly affects her, when it's, you know, in when it's in the way of whatever she wants or what what's happening in her life, whether it's in her relationship with Ezra, whether it's her family and Mike, she is the most engaged, which I think is natural. And I don't necessarily think it's a fully unexpected thing like of course you're going to care more about something when it's affecting the people in your life that you love but I think compared to not to speak too much of like the other girls because those are future episodes but compared to Spencer who is just engaged in this thing from the very get-go and has very few moments where she ever checks out and like takes a break Arya's taking breaks and she compartmentalizes I think probably better than any of the other girls I would say I disagree with that a little bit. And I think this is an interesting, I think we can maybe talk about this with each of the the liars, is sort of what causes them to engage or disengage the most with sort of the mystery, the plot. With Arya, I don't, I think, yes, there's definitely times where it's impacting her or people around her and she becomes more engaged. But I think she actually becomes, I think that's more indicative of how Hannah behaves. Hannah really throws herself into it when she feels like it's impacting her other relationships. Aria, I would actually say she gets most involved when she, she wants to distract herself from some issue in her other relationships. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I think that that sounds right. Yeah, when things aren't going great with Ezra, Arya is totally down to like go with Spencer to Philly to a blind to you know a newspaper stand outside a blind school or whatever. But you know when things are great with Ezra, she's a lot more checked out. Or if she's having issues at home with her parents and stuff, she might be more checked into the mystery. So I think that she uses the mystery sort of as an escape mechanism from her like normal everyday life and relationships yeah i agree i think that aria is a good partner right like i think she as much as she does like obviously care about her own business i do think she tends to be a good person to like bring along but do you know what i mean yeah i think that she i think i think that she i think that aria is a good number two right she's never gonna she's not usually the one who is going to come up with the plan but she will definitely help right she'll she'll join in she'll help you execute your plan 
Yeah. Now that you're saying that, I would say Arya is the most supportive of other people's ideas. Oh, 100%. I actually think like, that that's very true. I think Hannah and Spencer often butt heads about be kind of being the people to come up with the plans. And so they often like disagree with each other. And then Emily, I think, often disagrees with plans. Usually, I think, on the grounds of things being dangerous to like someone else or you know she's concerned about shower harvey or whoever and so i do think or or she's worried about like it you know hurting allison in some way so like i think that emily often sort of contests plans and aria aria is more like especially i think if it's a fairly like thought out plan uh aria is more likely to get behind it she's the most supportive for sure i think like you were saying, Emily is a yellow light. Emily is like, whoa, guys, let's slow down. Let's take a look around at what's how this could, what are the like, what could happen because of this? Like, is it unsafe? Is it putting us in more danger? Is it putting one of the vulnerable people that she's attached herself to in danger? And Hannah is obviously like, she is a green light, like, like speed racing mm -hmm. car that is zero to 60 in one second. That's yeah. Hannah. And, yeah. And Spencer, of course, tends to sort of devise plans and things. Mm -hmm. um, she often is the one driving the plot forward. And yeah, I think Aria really gets behind their ideas. But I think that Aria, I think we do see Aria, Aria might be the most level-headed in terms, like the best at managing, I think, maybe risk and reward when it comes to their plans. I think yeah. that... Like I'm thinking of, you know, she she's not she's also not on board like with Hannah's plan to kidnap Noel Khan, right? Or when Emily writes that fake letter from Danby to send to her parents, Hannah's like, "This is great, do it." And Arya is like, "You definitely can't send this, right?" I think she gives just enough pushback when she feels like whoever you know has this plan hasn't thought it through thoroughly i think she does i and in a sense maybe this does make her the more empathetic one i think that she notices when when one of the other girls is kind of something other than like logic drive them yeah definitely um, and i think that maybe her and emily kind of mirror each other more in that regard right like if emily is because emily also like we were saying can be the one who's like well what about how this will impact allison or you know shower or whomever um and i, I think, think that, like aria is just doing it better like aria i think is like you were saying like weighing the risks and, the, and rewards i think more accurately and emily yeah. is, tends to be blinded by her desire to save someone too cautious i think emily sometimes shoots down or kind of questions a good plan because she would sometimes I think a little bit rather do nothing because she's so worried about it blowing up in their faces. Mm -hmm. Whereas Aria, I think is doing a more accurate risk, risk reward assessment. Definitely. Um, and you know, maybe it's her detachment from the general plot that allows her to do that. True. Yeah. She's, she's a step removed kind of. Mm -hmm. uh, so what do we think about yeah. her family? Um, what do we think of like the Montgomery, Montgomery family as a whole? Like what are their kind of yeah. what's their dynamic? I think the I think my first thought is that Ella and Byron have like a really a bad parenting style. 
And they kind of have taken this idea of treating your kids with respect and, you know, treating them like adults, I think a little too far. They definitely, I think, are, yeah, they're big on treating their kids as adults. And I I would be curious to know, like, at what age that started, right? Because, of course, we really only see, you know, kind of 16 on, right? But it, it sounds like this has been a consistent thing through their childhood. And, I mean, Ella even says after the whole Ezra thing comes out, you know, oh, we raised her to be strong and independent and all this stuff. And, you know, we don't get to be shocked that's who she is, which is a weird assessment of her having an affair with her teacher. But they they did very much kind of set the ground for her to feel, I think, so so justified and like, mature enough to have this like adult relationship it it really and it really bites them in the ass yeah oh boy does it (laughs) yeah and it because and is also i think the root of aria's i mean one of aria's defining characteristics is that she wants to be viewed as an adult she is desperate to be viewed as an adult i think you see it in her fashion choices you see it in her dating choices you see it in everything about her right like the books that she reads and the way that she talks about them and like i'm I'm also thinking of like the little like dinner party and how like whenever her parents are throwing you know some sort of like the the faculty dinner or having people over for a dinner party like she loves to play like the little adult right like she's not the 16 year old daughter she's another adult participating in this adult event absolutely and i i think you see this a lot with her relationships with Ella and Mike specifically with Mike, you see Aria kind of taking on kind of like a third parent role a lot of the times. And they're only a couple years apart. And as an older sister myself, um, (laughs) (laughs) I think like there's, it's, you know, it's a tricky balance of like wanting to be that older sister that makes sure that your younger sibling or siblings are taken care of and they're not getting like a, punished or in trouble right she always is trying to protect mike but she is also at times really trying to parent mike uh oh 100 <laughs> and then i think you see it also in her relationship with ella primarily i think you see it a little bit before but a lot after ella and byron have split you see aria really wants to take on this role of girlfriend to ella they talk about dating and I'm, you know, I was recently watching the episodes where Ella started dating a uh, pastry guy, Zach. And you see the, the way that Aria is talking to her mother, who very recently separated and divorced her father about dating is not how you would imagine a normal 16, 17 year old girl to talk to her mother about dating. She's very much like she shows a level of, I think, excitement and almost like eagerness for her mom to date this young guy that I think is weird. (laughs) Yeah. Well, she's also giving her mom dating advice and stuff, which is. Well, they're dating in the same age range. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They are. They are peers. Yes. Um, But, like, the way that she talks to Ella about her dating life is how you might expect, like, you know, maybe like a 25-year-old woman whose mother, you know, whose parents got divorced to talk to her mom about dating, right? Or, like, like how Ashley how Ashley talks to Ella about dating, right? Like, yeah. Ashley, who's been divorced for a little longer 
they're of the same age they're actually peers and I feel like the conversations between Ashley and Ella about dating and the conversations between Aria and Ella about Ella's dating are quite similar in tone and just kind of like even content it's it's weird (laughs) well so let's get to the real the real sticky point of Aria's family relationships which Ah, is her daddy issues Byron oh Byron Byron oh Byron Byron has an affair with a student is caught by his like 14 year old daughter so this is caught by so so at one point Aria says tells Ella that she'd been keeping a secret for a year but we did the math on this and it was two years basically because we she finds out about the affair right before Halloween of their freshman year yes in the first and Ella yeah in the first secret and Ella doesn't find out about the affair until the fall, like the early, like you know, probably September, October of their of her junior year. So Aria keeps this a secret for two years. Uh, Byron convinces his daughter to keep this a secret and forces his daughter to deal with this while also dealing with her friend's disappearance a few months, you know, or several months later. No, it's almost a year later. Yeah, it's true. It's almost a year later. Yeah, and then you know, moves the whole family to Iceland to stand on a glacier yeah and i think honestly probably to ensure that aria doesn't say anything right if aria can be sure that her dad's not continuing this affair then she's less likely to say anything to ella right for sure and and of course aria is so desperate for her father's approval and validation as well because because she wants to be an adult and that that validation comes from her parents but especially the paternal figure right right and so she i think is really struggling with this she she holds or she held her father in such high esteem and wanted his approval and validation and is now dealing with this contradiction of him being not who she thought he was and i think also like this idea of like having this secret there is a part of aria as much as she doesn't like to have this secret and have to keep it a secret she she does kind of, I think, relish it a little bit. Not obviously the fact that her father cheated on her mother, but ha- keeping such a big secret feels like an adult thing for Arya. And I-, I mean, I think it's obviously not healthy for her. And I think lends to leads to her kind of having a lot of inappropriate relationships. Speaking of, should we get to her romantic <laughs> relationships? Why um, don't we? <laughs> I guess, I guess, do we start with the big one? Do we start with Ezra? I think that, I that's feel the like core we, one. Yeah, but I mean, if we're going to even mention Liam, I think we start with him. We can't end with okay. Liam. Yeah, let's start with Liam. Liam existed. Um, and, and that's us. Yeah, so that's <laughs> Liam. And then... I think and, I think one important element of this, that of her romantic mm-hmm. relationships, and to relate it back to her daddy issues, is how, other than Liam, every man that she is romantically involved with that we know of is some form of teacher for her teacher slash authority figure let's actually surprisingly i have something else to say about liam oh which is a shock i know but this is her only relationship that she starts as an adult correct because even the jason one that she she started that kind of as a teenager right definitely as a teenager here's the here's the interesting thing about liam he is her co-worker so as an adult, Arya 
especially as an adult, she's out of university. I have to assume Aria dated a professor at some point. We'll never know. But, or a TA. She probably dated a TA. Definitely um, a TA. But if she felt this need, right? If, if These are the relationships that she has always been, that she has always gravitated toward, right? Like, ha- as like an adult woman, right? How do you replicate that? That inappropriateness? Boss. A boss, right? Well, her boss is a woman. So the other way to is a coworker. There's something yeah. a little bit illicit about this like secret affair with her coworker. She's trying to replicate that same feeling that she would get from dating teachers. And obviously it doesn't it doesn't quite do it for her, which is yeah. why that relationship with Liam was always doomed. Yeah. Uh, if only he'd gotten a promotion. Right. Um well, and I think it's interesting though, like when you talk about kind of like this illicit nature of that relationship. I think again to I think her daddy issues and her relationships are obviously inextricably, inextricably linked. Does she know you can have a relationship that doesn't involve secrets? Because no. her relationship like the relationship modeled for her with Byron and Ella obviously had that one big secret probably others that we're not aware of and byron had his secret relationship with meredith and all of her looking at this list that we have of all of her relationships it's like yeah there's like an element of an illicit affair basically with all of these Mm -hmm. yeah her co-worker and then we can move into karate jake who again was a teacher for her so that box is checked um, but then there's the secret of how she starts dating Ezra again while she's kind of still dating Jake. Yeah. Secrets for and- Aria are integral to relationships, to romantic relationships. But but I mean, really to all her relationships, right? And I think to right. some extent that's true for all of the girls. I think that is like a major detriment to all of their relationships and something that like, you know, in their adulthood going forward, like is something that they will have to unlearn. But I think for Arya especially, yeah, when it comes to these romantic relationships, there needs to be, she needs secrets from her romantic, like she needs to have secrets from her partner. Right. Just like she needs to have secrets from everyone in her life. But she also, I think, needs a secret with her partner. It's kind of like that that thing with Allie, right? There are, the secrets are what keep us close. I think that, I think Arya does internalize that a bit. And she, having this sort of like, secret relationship i think really makes her it it gives her a false sense of intimacy with her partner oh yeah well and i think when not to like spend too much time talking about the other girls in aria's episode but you see that more with aria and her romantic relationships than i think you do with the others the others tend to i think have a little bit more open communication with their romantic partners than aria does and i think obviously like aria reaches the most like open with Ezra but still even then like they're she's keeping things from him and it takes a lot of time for her to open up yeah it's like seven seasons yeah <laughs> so yeah Karate Jake also a teacher an authority figure of sorts I think she also he, he taught her for a bit but I think she also really liked that he was a teacher and Holden her her peer was one of his students I think that that helped that's what Make I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about that scene when Arya meets Karate Jake for the first time. And I feel like this is our chance to, because I think that that scene is Jake is such a fucking weirdo in that oh, scene. Yeah. And such a dick. <laughs> she goes there. And I think it's just so funny. So 
to back up, they have this like kind of like close run in with A and Aria is just feeling unsafe, right? So she wants to learn some self-defense. So she goes to this dojo. Is that what it's called? This fighting gym. Karate studio. There it is. And she asks what turns out to be, who turns out to be Jake. If Holden, if Holden is there, he's like, no. And she says something along the lines of, no, she asks, does does Holden still teach here? Yeah, or she says, like, oh, Holden Strauss teaches here, right? And right. Karate Jake says, and Karate Jake responds, uh, he said teaches? Like, he doesn't teach, like, he's like, I last time I checked, I'm the teacher, right? Right. And she's like, oh, I he just said that, and he, that just he went turned Arya on. Is, yeah. Well, she was like, I just assumed that he taught here. Which because is- Arya assumes that all men are teachers. Yes. And then Karate Jake has the weirdest, and, and, well, and then Arya's like, oh, sorry, like, says something like, oh, I didn't mean to, like, be rude or something. And Karate Jake is like, oh, you're not. Holden, Holden is. is. Okay, Holden never claimed to teach there. Arya made that very clear. She assumed that. <laughs> like, I want to know, what is the backstory between Karate Jake and Holden? I, we like, never see them interact. And I ever. I would watch an entire episode of those two interact. Because <laughs> I think it would be wild. It's insane. There's and clearly just, some beef there. I love the way that you can see, I, I, you can just like see in Arya's face that she is turned on when Karate Jake says, I'm the teacher. Because oh, yeah. that is her biggest kink. Her yeah, biggest kink I, is like an authority figure. That's the title of this episode. She has a yeah. thing for authority figures. As said by Jenna. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, it's impressive that Karate Jake was able to press her button so effectively uh, without knowing her. Um, yeah. So then Jason, she's really not interested in Jason until Jason Jason shows up at the high school to uh, mentor at-risk youth and tell them that there's life after high school. Which is a real epidemic in Rosewood yeah. of teens not realizing there's a life after high school. Well, but- it is the teen murder capital of the world. For some <laughs> of them, true. there isn't. <laughs> Very true. Um, but we get that we get that line several times. Yeah. With various to explain why various adults are at this high school when really they're probably just like, I don't know, looking for a date. Yeah. Like even even Aria's uh like old babysitter is there to like tell people that there's like life outside Rosewood or something like that. Yeah, some equivalent. It's, like it's nuts. <laughs> it's like we had like one of those like spinning wheels of like reasons this adult is at the high school and that's like one of the ones. <laughs> it's the the only it it was like the the wheel was somehow rigged so that was always the thing that they got yeah um yeah so Arya's not really interested in jason until he starts showing up at the high school and then she's like oh wait a second (laughs) that's kind of like being a teacher and things are rough with ezra right now uh and ezra's like not even her teacher now at this point and so fair enough yeah, it was a bit of a turnoff for her at that time. Well, because that's why things are rough with Ezra. Things yeah. are only rough with Ezra because he's now teaching at Hollis and yeah. she doesn't feel like she's getting enough attention from him. And she doesn't get the thrill of of him being her teacher. Which, okay, so let's let's talk about Ezra now. Okay, finally. Because, <laughs> because yeah, I know. Who Ezra, the ultimate manifest. <laughs> I, I was shocked when you had something to say about Liam. Um, I know. <laughs> Ezra is the 
obviously the ultimate manifestation of her daddy issues because he is Byron. Ezra is Byron. Byron is Ezra at different stages of their life. And Ezra, it's so interesting, right? Like you pointed out, Arya and Ezra's relationship is pretty much always on, on the rocks when he's not her teacher. And when he is her teacher, it's filled with drama and like, oh, we can't do this or whatever. But like, she's so much more into him when he's her teacher. I'm thinking specifically of when he comes back to teach, right? And she's sitting there with, is it? I think she's sitting there with Emily. And Ezra is there talking to students. And Aria is just giving him just the biggest like doe eyes, just like, just like she is hanging on his every word. She's the embodiment. vests. She's the embodiment of that emoji with the heart eyes in that moment. Like she is yeah. mooning after this man who's yeah. just like probably having a casual conversation with a student. She is yeah. just, she is obsessed with it. And but then he's wearing that little vest. <laughs> it's that vest. And then Hackett sees her and she like has a moment of like freak out where she's like, oh my God, Hackett saw me looking at Ezra. He's going to know that i i love him well and and she she really loves that right she you can tell that she is enjoying it's fun the illicitness of like oh oh no did hackett see me let me know when he's gone okay like she loves it because she also gets to perform this for emily right and gets to feel like more adult in front of emily and also when ezra first goes to teach at hollis right when he first decides to take that job she's mad at him they like almost break up over it then they make out in front of a full school bus of children like he's still going to be living in town like he's not moving right he's just getting a job where they would no longer eventually maybe have to like hide their relationship and she's angry about it yeah she wants so badly for to just be dating her teacher and he he doesn't i think at the beginning ezra doesn't get that he thinks that the goal right is for them to be able to have a normal relationship but i think over the course of the show he starts to realize that that is not aria's goal well and i think obviously the big like issue with her and when ezra move like starts teaching at hollis is she learns about jackie and how he was engaged before and Mm -hmm. also jackie teaches at hollis now and that's a threat to her but I, I think that the point, like, the the issue with Jackie being at Hollis, too, though, is, like, Jackie is this sort of sophisticated adult woman that Arya feels so inherently threatened by because yeah. Arya wants so desperately to be an adult. Okay. Well, and I she want, has I, a history, and Jackie has a history with Ezra. And, like, yeah. that is something that, like, 17-year-old Arya just, A, can't compete with, and just also doesn't comprehend as like a concept of like having a history with someone like for her Ezra is her history right when she's having these relationships with people in college and after college like her big history her big love is Ezra and when she's like first dating him and finds out about Jackie like that's that's his big history right obviously I think that changes and she becomes his history but do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like she doesn't understand. Yeah, you know, she she doesn't have old friends. She doesn't have exes, yes. right? That right. she has history with because she's too young to have history with anyone, really. And so she doesn't understand that. And again, it makes her feel immature. I, I want to talk about what we think the writers were trying to do with Ezria. Because we've talked about this before. 
And I feel like we feel like the writer's room was split a little bit. Like there were writers, I think, that were really writing Ezria to be this like romance, this like big romance. But then I think a lot of the writers and I think the original intention was that this wasn't endgame, right? This was supposed to be Arya's self-destructive, rebellious behavior as a response to her father's affair. And it was supposed to be like the thing that A could use to torment her with. And I yeah. think like, again, we are not book experts, but th- in the books, that's very much how the relationship with Ezra is. Like Ezra goes to prison. Yeah. Like Ezra is not her big time love. She ends up dating Noel Khan, our favorite. And I think, yeah, ends up dating him for most of the books is my yeah. understanding. And I think that Pretty Little Liars gets a lot of flack for this relationship and certainly they should right like having them end up together i mean at least they have them end up together after her being an adult for like five years on her own without him but yeah like don't get me wrong there's things that i would change but what they were initially trying to do with this was so good so in the pilot episode even i want to talk about aria making out with ezra in this like bar bathroom this is not Arya's normal behavior. Not at all. No. Arya is such a romantic. She would never, like, just hook up with a guy like that, right? But she does it in this episode because they've just gotten back from Iceland. And her she's being reminded of her father's affair. She's being reminded of, Al- of Allison's disappearance. And, and I think... Sorry, and I think she's being reminded of her immaturity. I think she in Iceland was probably able to have a bit of like like a she could pretend that she was like an adult traveling and like you know mm-hmm. she had I I would imagine honestly I fully believe probably probably Ellen Byron let those kids run wild around Iceland without any supervision and I think that like she I think felt a lot of like maturity she felt like an adult coming mm-hmm. back from Europe, right? She had this big European adventure and she, again, is being reminded by kind of her childish, her her childhood, really. And again, two big traumatic events, her missing friend and her father's affair. And I think, yeah, like her making out with Ezra in this bar bathroom is a reaction to that of like trying to feel like this is something an adult would do. Well, and I think that her, I think that Byron's affair, though, is really the thing that makes her feel immature and feel not like an adult because she can't understand it. She feels so naive and immature. Like, I think she feels naive for, I think, having trusted her father so much and having that sort of destroyed. But I also think that she feels very immature and inexperienced by her inability to understand it. And that is what causes her to, you know, make out with a man in a bar and sort of like act out sexually right mm-hmm. because it's it's this like sex aspect that she doesn't get and so i i think that that i think that is really what pushes her yeah. and, and i think to some extent being reminded of allison also makes her feel immature right like allison always made them feel like kind of naive children so being reminded of allison's disappearance seeing her picture everywhere i think 
like definitely plays into that as well. I want I also want to talk about one other moment where I think it's really clear what the writers are trying to do, or at least what some of the writers are trying to do, which is when Ella comes to Ezra's apartment and we get that great Ezra reaction as he opens the door. <laughs> And Arya's there and Ella sits across from them and, you know, she's very reserved and she's very hesitant, clearly not sure if she should be here. And Ezra's very uncomfortable. And, you know, Ella's like, I I want to hear you out. I want to, before anyone like runs away, because she's worried at this point that Arya is going to run away with Ezra. And so she's like, kind of been driven to like, okay, I guess I have to like entertain this to some extent. And she's un- and Ezra's very uncomfortable. Ezra clearly knows that like this is not like a hopeful situation. We're not changing minds here. Both Ella and Ezra are very uncomfortable, and they understand the situation that they're in, and you can see that. And then there's Arya, and Arya is so happy and so grinning ear to ear, a little smug, yeah, and clearly thinks like I've done it. I've gotten my mom on on our side. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it just really shows her immaturity and it shows how little she understands the situation that she's in. Yeah. But Ezra, who's an adult, does understand. We even hear her say something along those lines. I don't think I really understood and how how dangerous what we were doing was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No shit. Yeah. You obviously yeah. didn't know because you also made plans for that evening. You were like, yeah. okay, yeah, guys, I'm just going to go tell my parents about my high school, that I'm dating my high school English teacher. Then I'll meet you guys up at the greenhouse to trap A later. Yeah, I'm sure it's fine. nothing will interfere Ask- with my ability to make those plans. Yeah, it's definitely just going to be a quick thing with my parents. They're going to be cool because my parents are cool. We're friends. And then i'll meet you guys probably yeah they'll probably let ezra just like drop me off at the greenhouse yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, it's so it's so insane that that's how she plans her day like that day like is aria this could have waited till tomorrow so next moving on from her boyfriends even though we could talk about her relationship with her romantic relationships for years let's move it along and talk to her talk about her relationship with allison And I think the thing with Allison and Arya is that I think Allison views Arya as an actual competitor to her. Arya has, I think, the ability to attract boys in a way that Allison is threatened by. And even if Allison's not interested in those boys, like Noel Khan, the fact that, and and we didn't even talk about Noel Khan. No, Allison, uh, yeah, I forgot oh, to list Noel Khan and her romantic <laughs> relationships. But Allison, it's okay. We'll have an episode about Noel Khan. Yeah. We, we mentioned that in the last episode too. So <laughs> yes. we really got to work on that episode about Noel Khan. But Allison wants all men to be into her first and foremost. Yes. Whether or not she's interested in them. So the idea, I think that they're, because especially when you're talking about like all of the girls pre-Allison's disappearance, Emily is gay, Spencer is too intense and a nerd, and obviously she's beautiful, but like, again, this is, we're talking, you know, 14, 15 year old Spencer, she's, she's a little socially awkward. She's not pulling in the guys. Except for she is pulling in Ian. Yeah, that's true. Right. And Ian's a creep. (laughs) Well, yeah. And Allison does, you know works works her magic with that and hannah is chubby i guess and so 
is not viewed as a competitor. So Arya really is the only one in the group, I think, that Allison views as kind of like a threat. And I think also even moving past like her as a romantic competitor, I think Arya has potential to be more of a leading force within the group of friends up to that point right i think obviously like after everything that happens and everything with a i think spencer kind of emerges as a really natural leader but i think up into up to that point of allison's disappearance aria i think has the most power she has like an independence and kind of like a cool air about her that i think ali views as a threat so that kind of leads into the this theory that we've developed. Each of the liars sort of latches on to a person that either, you know, Allison bullied or that sort of they bullied with Allison, who sort of mirrors their their relationship with Allison and how Allison bullied them. Arias is maybe the most most of a stretch. And the other ones I think are really clear parallels. But Aria seems to be the one who feels the most guilt about the Jenna thing. And we see her having the most sort of like reckoning with that and interactions with Jenna with like the whole pottery plot line. And then Arya, you know, killing Jenna's girlfriend and having to feel guilty about that on top of it. And and I think that kind of mirrors how uh, the way we were talking about Allison viewing Arya as a competitor, both for friendship and like leadership and also romantic partners is very much how Allison viewed Jenna when Jenna shows up and she views this girl as like potential threat to her crown of queen of Rosewood High School. And yeah, we see like Arya really, like you were saying, is the one who is honestly, I think, having the most interaction with Jenna out of anybody, any of the liars, I mean. Certainly the most like non-antagonistic interactions. Yeah. She's she's the only one that has any sort of like interaction with Jenna that's not threats or, you know, Emily telling her to move her stick. (laughs) Another part of most biopsychosocial assessments, now that we've spent forever just unpacking all of her relationships, which I think is a core part of this, medical history. Aria doesn't have a lot of medical history to speak of. She's drugged by Meredith. She's attacked by a fireplace. I think oh, yeah. that's pretty much it. Oh, there's, oh I guess and she other... is also, I don't know, infertile or whatever. She's unable to have children. Yeah. yeah. But that's I was gonna found say out that, much yeah. later. She, fertility issues. Yeah. yeah. But that's, that's about it for her medical history. I, I don't have much to say about that. No, because uh, I really don't think that, like, for Ari, I really don't think, and the reason I think we spent so much time on her relationships is her relationships are so core to who she is. And I think with, for example, Emily, not to spoil anything, but, like, Emily has, like, a bit more of a intrinsic connection to her body and to her fitness and health, and therefore, like, has more of a medical history that I think is worthy of talking about. And then there's substance uh, use his- history, which yeah. I think similarly, Arya doesn't have a lot of substance use issues from what we can see. Yeah. She, hands you know, down, Arya has the best, the healthiest relationship with substances. Definitely. Yeah. Um. So legal history, criminal record, what sort of her main crimes, killing Shauna, blinding Jenna, the Rollins murder. 
I don't know. Well, you can't forget destroying a nursery. Oh, yeah. Class A felony. Death penalty. Yeah. Look, Spencer may have kidnapped a kid, but Arya destroyed a nursery. That's sick. Uh, um, Hannah, Hannah may have drugged. They were so drugged, mad about that nursery. Hannah may have drugged and kidnapped Noel without talking to anybody else about it. But what about the nursery? You know? But what about the nursery? And then, of course, so the times that Arya is Arya's really only arrested for the shovel in season two and the courthouse when they're all arrested for Mona's murder. Those are the only times she's arrested, right? Well, and then I guess like the end, like in season seven, when they're all kind of, I don't know if you would say they're arrested, but they're definitely being questioned for Rollins' murder. And then Mary Drake comes in and like saves them. But I think speaking of season seven, we need to talk a little bit maybe about the reason Arya joins the A-team. And that is that supposedly she put together a police file, like some sort of police report and never submitted it. I don't know. I've never submitted a police report, but I don't know how that works. But sounds like she, I don't know, downloaded a form (laughs) from the web and then filled it out, but never brought it to the cops. And that's how, yeah, which, you know, A A gets a hold of it and uses it against her, too. Yeah. Which, I don't know, um, what are the statute of limitations in Pennsylvania for statutory exactly. rape? I cannot imagine that the statute of limitations for statutory rape is more than five years. I like, mean, I, I think, think especially, in the clear. especially if Aria then goes and says, no, I don't want to press charges. Yeah, no. Like, I think no- it's a matter of her going up to them and... Her, it, let's say a a sends that to the police. Arya is like, oh, never mind. I recant that. I think we're good. Yeah. <laughs> Which is she could literally you know what? just say, yeah, that was actually lies. Yeah, yeah, all and lies. With that in mind, maybe the girls are right to be upset that she joined the A team over that. Yeah, they're like, you could have done a simple Google search about the statute of limitations, <laughs> like, or you could have just you didn't need to do all this. You could have just gone to the cops and said, never mind. I think that we could have, we definitely needed, I think, to come up with a stronger motivation for Arya to join the A-team. But it does, it it does eventually lead us to the incredible scene of Arya discovering Dunhill's body in her, the trunk of her car. And then she starts talking to it. I it's... cannot express how much I love this scene because it goes so much longer than you think it's going to. And it gets, she just gets crazier and crazier. And it is beautiful it's insane it's absolutely like and i think it really shows she has really lost it because she's fallen out of favor with the group well she destroyed a nursery the cardinal sin uh, of destroying she apparent so apparently i i think maybe i heard this on the bros podcast they were talking to somebody from the show apparently there was they had it written there was an alternate way that this scene went in which when she locks the keys in the trunk she actually has to climb through the back seat into the trunk over dunhill's body to get the keys (laughs) and i would have loved to see that yeah no that would have been great i'm trying to find i know it's something this is like they'll have to believe me once i show them show you to them something like that once i introduce you once i introduce you to them yes yes (laughs) yeah insane so they're like, this is your fault, really, making all that noise back there. If you'd just been quiet, I would have driven straight to my friends like like AD wanted me to. God, it's iconic. God. It's absolutely crazy. And it just, it makes me want okay. to see Lucy Hale in everything. 
Yes. Speaking of, I think if you haven't seen, this is a PSA. You haven't seen Lucy Hale in Fantasy Island. Watch it. You gotta watch Fantasy Island. Ugh. I just want Ari, or Ari, I want Lucy Hale in like every horror movie. Okay, so moving on to the next section of the biopsychosocial assessment, let's talk about Aria's presenting problem. So in like a therapy environment, this would be why why they're coming in to to therapy, to the clinic, to the service, whatever. In this case, we want to talk about what Aria's sort of main character flaws are and sort of what trauma she's been through. So Which I think we've covered a lot of that. Like we've covered we her covered. we've covered her need to uh be mature or be perceived as yeah. mature. We've covered obviously Allison's disappearance. We've covered her the affair with mm-hmm. um with Byron's affair. But I think also Aria one of her main character flaws, like we we hear over and over again that she's kind of the romantic of the group. And I do think that one of Arya's sort of character flaws is that she views her life like a movie, right? And so and she white. romanticizes a oh, black, and, course, white black and white Well, the sad parts are in black and white. The happy parts are in color. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that She says that to Karate Jake at one point about her relationship with Ezra. Um so she so because that because she romanticizes her life, she overlooks a lot of red flags in I think particularly her romantic relationships. And I think that that's apparent. That needs no further explanation. No. <laughs> she that because she views things as a movie, like it, she doesn't she doesn't see people's she doesn't see people as they really are. She sees them as this romanticized version of themselves. And she sees herself as the romanticized version of herself. Yeah. So I think that that's another serious character flaw from Arya. Um, speaking of black and white movies, how upset do you think Arya would be if she learned about the film noir episode and how it was actually Spencer's episode? Furious. <laughs> like Arya. Or like that that's Spencer's like hallucination. That was Spencer's like drug induced dream was in this like really beautiful like film noir aesthetic aria wishes that was her dream like aria wishes her life looked like that or even that she could dream like that yeah and i I mean i think from like a meta perspective if aria the character could view the show she'd be really pissed that they gave that to spencer (laughs) exactly that's what i was trying to get at like that is she would be furious yeah anyways like let's like talk through just like some of the highlights of like what a actually did to her because i think Arya does get a bit of a rep in the fandom, in the Pretty Little Liars fandom, for, like, not really having much happen to her at the hands of A. Um, But things um, do happen mm -hmm. to her and to the ones she loves. So I think we can talk a little bit. Like, obviously, there's the reveal of Byron's affair. That's a pretty big deal. Like, that's a... If we're talking about, like, the first couple of seasons, I feel like that's one of the bigger things that A does to the girls. Um, yeah, I think that that is really, though, uh, it that is an oddity for A to do, like, especially, like, as A's sort of MO and, like, behavior becomes clearer and, like, how Mona as A does things. She doesn't just, like, send letters revealing secrets very often. But it was, you know, Mona was still in her learning curve era, And I think she also knew it doesn't matter if I reveal this secret, right? 
because yeah, it's a parent this secret, secret is a parent secret. And also I have something else on her. Right. And so I think like yeah. that's also really something that's important. Like I'm sure we'll get to it when we like talk about Mona in an episode. The reveal yeah. of Byron's affair is when Arya like was one moment of Mona as a being like, I'm serious. Like this isn't funny yeah. games. Like I'm not pretending. And I think it kind of, and we've talked about this, how each of the girls kind of has a moment where they realize that like this is real this isn't somebody just like toying with them or like yeah pretending like they're gonna reveal their secrets like they'll do like a will do it like um like this is going to have real ramifications in their lives yeah and like i think it kind of is actually like a really important one for the for especially aria to like understand the stakes of what's happening you know um, so some other honorable mentions i don't really think we have listed here like that sh- a text her phone and Ezra sees it. But I don't really think that that counts because, again, like Arya left the phone. <laughs> Mona didn't do yeah. that. Yeah. I'm sure Mona knew where the phone was at this point. Oh, I'm, sure I'm sure Mona she was has it. A, Very true. She's tracking those phones. Uh, Bees in Ella's car, of course, a classic. Classic. Uh, almost getting her and Ezra caught on their date. That happens twice. Yes. Once so at it the first museum. happens at the museum. Yeah. And then happens again when. Uh, she's pretending to date Holden. And we didn't even talk then, about that. And we don't have time. We've been doing this for like... Oh, <laughs> yeah. But like we did not talk about the fact that like Ella and Byron were so on board with her like dating Holden. Even though like days ago she was saying like, I'm in love with my English teacher. And they just like thought nothing yeah, of it. But they, they were fully just, like, by. But I think what it is is they just like wanted to believe it. They just wanted that to be true so bad because they just didn't want to deal with this anymore, I think. Um. They just didn't, they were out of their depth. They didn't know how to handle it. So yeah. then kidnapping Malcolm. Then I think the Halloween train being put in the box with Garrett's body. I think that has the most significant kind of like PTSD kind of response on Aria. Like that sticks with her. Yeah. Um, as it should. Like when she talks about in the flash forward, when she talks about like being on the train and like screaming when like the lights go out and everything, I honestly think, yeah, I think the dollhouse is part of that. But I think that being in that box with Garrett is also kind of part of the trauma that caused that response. Oh, 100%. Um, then being blackmailed to, into joining the A team. Um, Talked about that. Because she can't do a simple Google search. The Jackie <laughs> blackmail. I, oh, I, I really loved what that with the dolls where like aria had to blackmail jackie and hannah had to stop the wedding and it was kind of like all things that the girls wanted mm-hmm. so a made them do it yep like i love that and then so are you saying are you saying spencer wanted to break up with toby yeah i think some part of spencer always <laughs> wants to break up with toby relatable uh, knives and karate jake's punching bag do we think that that wasn't anything? I think we're like kind I of still, meant to believe that it was Ezra, but like I think it was A. I love we're meant the, to I love it's the idea Ezra. that it's Ezra, but it's so weird because we're meant to believe that it's Ezra because we're supposed to believe that Ezra's A at this point, mm-hmm. but Ezra's not A. But I still like to think that he did put the knives in Jake's country because why would Cece give a shit? Yeah. Why would Cece give a shit about well, I mean, Jake? Except for that she's like obviously framing Ezra to be A. So lastly, we had like a couple of things that we felt existed kind of outside of the what was it biosocial psycho <laughs> biopsychosocial assessment. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and I think the biggest 
one is this idea that I think is like, and bear with us because I feel like we could talk about this for another hour and a half, is the fact that Aria is A. I mean, and- we'll, we'll try to control ourselves on this because I know this is one of the most discussed things online about Pretty Little Liars that it's people have talked about this so much. Yeah. Maybe so let's think- just recount some of the major reasons people believe this. Yeah. So first and foremost, Aria starts with A. Damn. A <laughs> pretty damning. <laughs> a also shows up once Aria is back. Like the girls mm-hmm. have not been getting this like these texts from A until Aria's back. And obviously mm-hmm. later we learn that like Allison was getting these these texts too but when we first learn of a it starts immediately basically once aria is back and i think you can also kind of point to a lot of the things that happen to aria in the first couple of seasons the things that a does to her i think like we were saying with the dolls and like blackmailing jackie a lot of what happens to her is things she wanted right like she wanted ella to know about the, the affair even if she didn't do you know what I mean? Like a part of her did kind of want to be yeah. a secret to be out in the open. She obviously didn't it had want to come to out eventually. One. Yeah. And she didn't want to be the one that had that to- told Ella. But uh, in a I way, a lot- yeah, she she didn't have to betray this like secret that she promised to keep her dad from like she promised her dad she would keep. But she also didn't have to keep the secret from her mom. Exactly. So like she kind of this was kind of a best case scenario for that coming out and then so then there's also at one point mona call like kind of calls out to her in the hallway and is like hey big a and then i think one of the thing uh, for me the thing that convinces me the most that the the writers were entertaining this idea is the black swan so in the season two finale which so in the season two finale you know a tells them that like there's some clue right about like the black swan and and then Aria, later the image the the you know the sketch of the black swan is in a's lair. yeah and aria her dress for this masquerade ball is virtually identical to the black swan playbill so so similar that it cannot possibly be a coincidence and so I th- and it makes sense that the writers at this point, right, they knew like, okay, we have to reveal Mona as A, but we have to have the story continue. So they had to be kind of, I, they had to have had multiple ideas, right, of like how they were going to create a new A, right? Is or it who was be- going to be big A. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so I think that at that time, they were for sure entertaining the idea of Arya being big A. My question and the question that I would love to ask the writers is at what point they fully threw out that idea, because I, I firmly believe that they did have that as a possibility. I don't know that they ever settled on it fully. Right. But they were laying some clues for it because they knew that they might want to do it. And I want to know when they wrote that off as a possibility. I think that there's like two things that influence this and I don't know exactly when. But I think it's when they kind of decided that Ezria was going to be Endgame, mm-hmm. and I think it's also when they decided when they realized how like how strong the story of like female friendship was, 
amongst the four liars. And I think like to have Arya be a after that is like a real kind of like gut punch to yeah. these really strong bonds, trauma bonds that these girls are forming. And they really are like each other's closest confidants, even yeah. in most cases more than their romantic partners. And I don't know exactly when I think like you were saying, like, I think they definitely through the end of season two had her as a potential A. I think maybe even most of season three. I'm not sure. But I think like, I think they really kind of decided at maybe between three and four that like, no, Arya is not going to be A because that really I think like kind of would have again like I think these girls like their relationship and this and this show really is so strong about the power of like these female friendships and the closeness of these friendships and so to have that kind of ultimate betrayal I think they're definitely reached a point in the like character development of all of these characters where that betrayal is not fun anymore like it's not I I still think I would have found it fun but, like, I think in general, like, yeah. I think it wouldn't have been fun to have Arya be A yeah. after a certain point. So, yeah. As a, back to back to Ezra being endgame, though, there was definitely a moment when, because we found, we sort of got the reveal that Ezra was A, and then the, it was, like, the mid-season hiatus, right? Mm-hmm. And so we had, like, a while to believe that Ezra was A before we found out he was just writing a book and when we found out that Ezra was A I really thought I was like this might be because at that point like I think they had said like oh Ezra is endgame or something or like that seemed to be the case at least right and I was like what if like I just want to imagine like what if we'd gotten this whole arc of Ezra being A Arya being betrayed and just devastated by this only to then reveal that Arya was big A the whole time and Ezra was like operating under her orders and guidance. I mean, I would have loved that. Like, I, and she just put on this whole performance of being betrayed. I would have fucking loved that. Um, but And I think that the writers did really love this idea of Arya being A. And because I think I think that they could see that potential both within the character and I think within Lucy Hale to play this kind of crazy role. And I think that that's why we get her in season seven being blackmailed onto the A team for a bit. So they could because I think the writers they wanted did want to, to play with that it. a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Yeah. They wanted to fulfill that promise and they wanted to play with these ideas. I think that they had. Which I do think really culminated in that that scene of Dunhill in the trunk. Well, and I think another thing that I was thinking of like that points towards Arya being A is there's this this I, I think it's in season two when Mike is going through his thing right where he's like stealing maybe it's season one actually he's doing all his stealing and then he's like really depressed or something like that um, it's season two because it's new Jason you're right um and he's doing all this and they talk Byron and Ella are talking about Byron's brother Scott And we kind of get this, like, idea that, like, Scott was depressed, potentially, like, you know, committed suicide. And clearly there was, like, some mental health history in this family. And then we get the reveal later on of how important Radley is to kind of the A of it all. And I think that there is, I think Mm -hmm. that that is kind of, like, another example of, like, they were laying some groundwork there. Even, like, well into season two, and then obviously season three with the Radley of it all. There is 
a history of mental health issues in Arya's family. And I don't know, maybe there's a world in which Arya was never in Iceland. What if Arya Yeah, that was, was definitely a theory people was have. in Radley during that time. And I think that I, yeah, it's hard to it's hard to pinpoint again. I would love to sit down with like Marlene, Joseph Doherty and like just hear from them like when did they and maybe they've said this. If they have, share it with us please. Um yeah. But like I want to know when was it that they really truly wrote off Arya as A? Um cuz I think it's later than we would maybe expect. But we could definitely say for sure end of season 2 they were still playing with that for sure. And so maybe maybe it is when they broke when they broke down season 3 they decided not to do it or maybe it wasn't until they finished breaking season 3 that they who knows. Yeah, um, well I mean season 3 is when we meet CC and yeah that kind of whether they knew at that point that cc would be a i don't know but it seems reasonable like it seems like you could i could see that like in the breaking of season three they decided not to make it aria now what could have been what i think potentially happened is they come back in this five years forward and they're like guys we have another chance at it do we actually do it and that would have been also thrilling (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> For Aria to be AD. Oh, would have been incredible. So, okay. So I, we want to end each of these episodes talking about the the liars with comparing our sort of top episodes for that liar, like where we think they really shined. So yeah. I think I think the way we do this, you said you also have three, right, Haley? Yeah. And so I don't have a particular our... order. I don't have an okay. order to mine. Could you put them in an order? Okay. I no. have like different like reasons for why I chose these different episodes and I don't know if I would say that Mm -hmm. they're like her best episodes or whatever but they're like for me were like three kind of pivotal episodes that I think revealed Mm -hmm. something interesting about her character um and I think we've talked about kind of a lot of this stuff so I mean the first one on my list and again no particular order is Uh, uh, season five episode five miss me times 100 and i chose this episode is that shocking to you i want to know what your thoughts are on that no remind me tell me why you've chosen this episode maybe i overlooked it this is the episode where Allie comes back to rosewood high school um but i particularly Mm -hmm. chose this episode because i think we get to see an interesting side of aria and a side that i think really kind of touches on that conversation we're having about uh jenna and Arya and Jenna. And I think we seeing Arya kind of struggle with her, her guilt over Jenna and then also try and reach out and comfort Jenna. She has, there's that scene where Arya goes to Jenna's house. Jenna's like on the floor curled up and crying, like sobbing. Jenna's, yeah. Jenna's blind again and doesn't know who's there. And she's obviously like scared and also like really upset because of Shauna's dead. And then later on, Jenna comes over to Arya's house and is like, was that you in my house? Arya kind of like admits it but then like invites Jenna in to like talk about Shauna and like really kind of shows I think like a uh I think it's like actually like quite a like sweet moment from Arya it's obviously not purely unselfish because she again is trying to assuage her guilt over killing Jenna's girlfriend Um, but I think it's just like I I kind of just I was watching this episode the other day and I was like I I really love this episode for Arya and how it kind of shows a lot about her character and her relationship to Jenna, which I think is very interesting, as we've talked about. I th- I had um, 
Yeah, I had season five, episode two, Whirly oh, Girl, okay. which is sort of the first episode of Arya dealing with killing Shauna. And I like I I think may, maybe maybe episode five may, might might be higher in my rank than episode two. I'm not sure. But because this is the episode also where Arya is like freaking out and, you know, goes goes to the like uh, shack to start make it, you know, making it look like they've been keeping Allie there. And she's just kind of like spinning her wheels a little unhinged. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love an unhinged Arya. So, yeah. Well, no, I think it's like it's it's interesting that we just we both chose like episodes kind of from around the same time period. And yeah. Yeah. I also I love it. I love a like frantic Arya. And like, yeah, that's kind of I feel like that's kind of like the beginning of this like process for her of like coming to terms with what she's done. And the situation she's in and i feel like maybe episode five I'm, i can't really think of what ha- if there's anything that happens after episode five related to this but like episode episode five is kind of like the culmination of that yeah no i think it yeah it was hard for me because I, th- I do think that the shauna her like dealing with the shauna thing is spread out over a few episodes and i like that arc and so it was hard to pick like the episode to for sure to sort of um totally. so what's your what's your next one so my next one is again kind of not like this episode specifically but kind of like this episode and like kind of the story arc that happens afterwards and it's 214 it's through many dangers toils and snares which is when they tell her parents about her and Ezra tell their her parents about their relationship and I think like the following episodes mm. and kind of like the things she says about how unaware she was of how dangerous what they were doing was. And again, like that iconic scene where Ella comes to Ezra's, this is obviously like much later in the season, but kind of like all of her, her reaction to this thing. And I think it's just like so interesting and really shows like how naive she is. And I think that like kind of shocked her. I think the outcomes yeah. of telling the outcome of telling her parents about Ezra was I think like a, a reality check for her in a lot of senses in a lot of ways. And she realized, oh, like this was dangerous what we were doing. And even though she's not like she's not going to admit that like it was wrong or that she shouldn't have done it. Like, I think she kind of has like a bit of a, like a reckoning with this idea that she is still a child and it's, it's hard for her. It's like not something that I think she's comfortable with. And so I really love kind of like that episode and then like a few, the few episodes after that, where she's kind of really coming to Mm -hmm. terms with this event. Yeah. My, so my next one is also Ezria related (laughs) and of course it is, but it's for but it's for different reasons. Mine's 421. She's come undone. The she in this sentence being Aria. And this is the episode after she finds out about the book. Oh, yeah. It is. So, it, this was my number one. Uh, but I actually do have one that I think is above it. I This this is, I think, some of the best acting from Lucy Hale. It's so good. And again, I think there is also a reckoning with her own naivety and like in like immaturity in the fact that like she thought she had this like great romantic adult relationship and it turns out that she was being used mm-hmm. by this adult man yeah that's which is kind one. of what everyone had been telling her right but in like for like different reasons and she didn't ever believe those reasons and now she's been given this other reason which is like yeah he was actually writing a book um he was literally taking advantage of you in multiple ways it's really interesting too because like in that episode is when she's like visiting a college i think maybe in syracuse or whatever her dad's there but she's staying in a hotel and 
She meets That's up the with episode that. after this one. Oh, is it? Yeah. This oh, one is right. just right. her, you know, staring into fires and storming up to Vice Principal Hackett's house and stuff. You're right. I forgot about that. She's, um, she's come undone in this she episode. She has come undone. But I think though, like that kind of like is like a that really arc, interesting yeah. arc. Again, she's obviously a mess, but then she is also like really kind of I think leans into the like this destructive kind of not healthy way of coping. Um, and I think, you know, to like to go back to what we were talking about when she's first hooking up with Ezra in that bar, again, that's like a way of like kind of a destructive, like out of character way that she is coping with something. Definitely. Do you want to go or do you want to go? So my next yeah. one is 222, Father Knows Best. Okay. Because I think it's like a really interesting, obviously, like her relationship with her father is really fucked up at this point. But I think that I mostly chose it because the conversation that her and the other girls have with Mona, where they're trying to figure out how they can get Ashley off of the A trail, right? Ashley has found the police report for Hannah's shoplifting and, you know, is hot on A's trail of thinking like someone is like messing with her daughter they kind of are all standing around in that circle and Mona asks kind of like you know which one of you is the best at lying to people how does she say it Uh, like which one of you is best at lying to people you care about or something exactly yeah something like that and they all just like look at Aria and I just love like that that I love what that shows about how her friends view her I love that she kind of is like okay like what's the plan like she just accepts it i think like yeah you know it's a good example i think of aria's role in the in the group what her friends think of her and then also like her willingness to like go along with a plan right like she is a yeah. good partner she's a good number two that's gonna like go and like lie to lie to ashley's mom yeah. and that's my third episode it's interesting i we expected i think for us to have a lot of the same episodes and we really didn't you went <laughs> for much earlier and it's interesting because i do think season two is such an aria season and yet i didn't have any episodes from season two in my top picks because my next one that i just i had to add is seven seven nineteen farewell my lovely when she gets oh, yeah. when she starts talking to Dunhill's corpse in the trunk that's I, that's honestly I think my number one aria that's episode. my favorite that's my that favorite scene. aria moment <laughs> oh for sure and but it's my favorite moment by so much that it's my favorite aria episode I think <laughs> uh, on that basis alone and we've, uh, we've talked about that I don't need to like go into the details of that again but I I also want to say I have an honorable mention and it's I'm putting it as an honorable mention because I think that this is a top tier episode for every single one of the liars. And I think that we're going to do an episode maybe on this episode or sort of the themes of this episode, 602 Songs of Innocence. And this is their, their first first episode. episode. Yes. The first episode after the dollhouse, every single one of them, this is a top tier episode for them. It's a top tier Pretty Little Liars episode, period. It's the best, some of the best representation of PTSD that I think I've ever seen on television. Incredible. So I just wanted to make that as an honorable mention. Yeah. And it's an honorable mention for all of them. (laughs) I think my honorable mention is Halloween Train. Oh, yeah. Just and because, again, for all of them. Again, for all of them. And I think also, like, it's obviously, like, a big Aria episode. But, and it's, ob- I think, like, like we were talking about earlier, like, a really pivotal episode for her character development and her yeah. a, a huge part of her, I mean, let's be real. They all have CPTSD. And it's a huge part of that. We did it. Uh, we made it. Yeah. We did it. We, it, I mean, it's the, we were probably going to have to edit this down. It's going to be such a long podcast. <laughs> But if you're still um, listening, thank you. 
<laughs> yeah, thank you. I have to imagine that the Aria one is going to, this is going to come out longer than the other girls, right? I don't I know. Just feel like we have we, so much to say we, about Aria, but I don't know. We have a lot to say about all of them. We have a we'll podcast see. because we have a lot to say about this show. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, yeah. So make sure that you uh, review the podcast, email us with any questions, comments. Yeah. All that information is in the, in the, in the description. Thanks for joining us. Thanks. <laughs> Cheerio. Cheerio. <laughs> Cheerio.